0: Good night, everybody. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Brick Cave Media Podcast. My name is Bill Campana, author of four different Brick Cave books and the upcoming poems in the key of A negative. Joining me in the studio tonight is my co-host, fellow poet, author, Patrick
1: Hare. Hi, Patrick. <laughs> Hi, Bill. Patrick Hare here, poet and author of Corporate Boiler Vinegar from Brick Cave Books. The Brick Cave podcast tonight is brought to you by the BC Book Club, Brick Cave Media's community portal for readers who love brick cave books and authors. You can join today and be part of the Brick Cave story at bcbookclub.com. And by the way, in case you think you're hearing an echo, we kind of started off the same way last month. But uh, We can write things down in advance, but when it comes to off-the-cuff stuff, we are just terrible. That's right. You want to see me freeze like a deer in the spotlight? Put me up without a page in my hand.
0: <laughs>
1: we're live tonight using Podbean. Actually, we're not live. We're not. Oh, we're not we're
0: live not tonight.
1: Live. <laughs> we're all dead. <laughs> uh, well, we're live in, in we'll the be studio. In
0: next month for the Christmas special. Uh, I've been, I've been Ooh, accused of not Christmas being live before.
1: With
0: Russ music by the way. Russ oh, wow.
1: wow. Okay, is he going to like live draw us or something? <laughs> he's
0: he's going to sketch himself while he's here. So anyway, we're using Podbean, so... Visit your favorite app store, and you can find Podbean app. And then we're listed as Bill and Patrick live, sometimes live, tonight uh, not so live. Bill and Patrick dead, the Brick Cave podcast. Or you can find the link in the Brick Cave calendar at brickcavemedia.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you've read a Brick Cave (laughs) book, we'd love to hear what you think. If you've read one of my books... Please, uh, th- give me a favorable review. My ego is fragile. <laughs> the Canadians
1: are hot on you right now. They
0: are. Wow, look at that. The Canucks. I, I, you know, Alex Trebek was Canadian. He was. Yes. Yeah, he was.
1: And Yes, he's gone in. There used to be that MTV show, uh, Remote Control, <laughs> and they had a category called Dead or Canadian. So, <laughs> oh, wow. So now he's gone into both. So he's he's <laughs> up there in in the uh, the
0: big game show in the sky with with uh, Art Fleming. They're hanging out yeah. together. Yeah,
1: you know I saw him in person once. Art Fleming? No, mm-hmm. not Art Fleming. Alex oh. Trebek. I was uh, t- one of my um, sad hobbies is trying out for the game show Jeopardy, and so every time I actually pass the test, I get to audition, and one of the times where they have the Jeopardy contest at the um, Fort McDowell Casino. You yeah, you know, I, I I passed the like the ten question test and then you come back the next day for the audition. And so after I passed the test, um Alex Trebek made an appearance and he was actually shaking hands with people like in a in a line, essentially. And before he can shake hands with me, some jerk pops in front of me. Scares me, scares Alex. That's as far as I got, man. Wow. That jerk was Pat Sajak. (laughs) That son of a. It was just because you like like Alex Trebek was like (laughs) he's scared. It's like oh my gosh, this guy had a bad heart already, and you're trying to. And and Jen Goldberg, you know Jen. Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, she auditioned at that same one. Wow, and so I'd seen her further ahead in line. She was posting pictures
0: of her with uh, Alex together. And then a friend of mine, uh, his daughter's—well, his—it would be his son-in-law—was a contestant mm-hmm. on Jeopardy. So.
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping they bring it back because I really would like to just play the damn game. <laughs> I don't need to get rich. I wouldn't mind some money, but I just want to get up there and play Jeopardy because, I just like,
0: wanna, just want to hear the theme song. The, the uh, do 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 <laughs> do. Yeah. Yes,
1: the, the, the uh, sh-
0: everybody's making noise about LeVar Burton hosting it and uh, the guy that won all the money. What the hell was his name? And Ken Jennings? Ken yeah. Ken 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 about. He coming the
1: host? Yeah. Well pretty, I never actually saw him play. Was he free personal? I don't know. He's, he's good. I mean, I, there's nobody was quite like Alex Trebek because he was that old-style game show host and Walter Cronkite rolled into one. They, sh- they should get so Louis Black to host it. <laughs> well that's not the answer (laughs) obviously you haven't read many books
0: (laughs) they need a a game show host that's just so agitated that people are just afraid to say anything (laughs) You got like thirty minutes yeah. of people, have an answer? people with their hands on the their thumbs on the button, and they're afraid to push it. You
1: better be damn sure you've got the right answer before don't you don't waste that my button. time <laughs> with, with wrong
0: answers. Form your stupidity and <laughs> present your stupidity in the form of a question.
1: It's a triple penalty for guessing. <laughs> yes, it's negative double
0: jeopardy. Not me. Not later. For a change, I'm not writing. I've taken like a month and a half off. Oh yeah? I'm kind of good with it. But since you told me that I'm selling a book a week, is it? Yeah, a book a week. So it's like, man, I, I better
1: get I'm going to write faster. next done, week's I've book has got to be sold. Yeah. There's going to be people <laughs> out
0: there that are going to be, man, I wish Bill would put another book out. And I would say, oh, wow, where were, oh. you? Where were you people four years
1: ago? Yes, yeah, so you could be the Nora Roberts of your genre. Wow. Yeah. yeah My genre sure. is what? Garbage. <laughs> 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 what are you writing? Dead crap. Right, crap. Uh, I'm sorry. Kind of high-level observational sarcasm myself. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Patrick, you you were once referred to as that hilarious deadpan poet. I
1: know. That's, yes, <laughs> by Rollo for the... <laughs> That was, yeah, it was a uh, Hardy f- no, it wasn't a hardy farty party. It was Mary McCann's um, thing at the uh, Ikeda Theater, and it was, that was. No, it was, was Chandler's Center for the Arts. Yeah, but I thought yeah. it was in the, the Ikeda Theater in that. I'm going to uh-huh. have to go and check my poster, which I have in the garage <laughs> somewhere.
0: <laughs> I asked, that once I found one of those flyers for the arty-farty parties, oh, man, and it brings back memories. No idea what I was doing back
1: then. Oh my gosh, I had that leisure suit once. I, oh I, man! My, my yeah. whole thought was, I am going to look like a complete moron, and therefore, there, uh, it, it's like if you already look stupid when you're up on the stage, you don't have to worry about looking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and that is slam strategy one hundred and one. F- yeah, the foregone conclusion. Maybe that's the problem. I just didn't care back then. When you got nothing to lose, yeah. you can do an awful lot of stuff. When you
0: got no reputation, right? Y- you got nothing to protect. It's just anything goes. And I didn't care. Maybe, maybe somebody said one time, you know, you're offensive. I said, I don't, I don't think, think I am.
1: Maybe I was. But I don't know. Well, everybody's offensive to someone, yeah. and some people are offensive to more someone. But anyway, <laughs> speaking of new poems, I'm going to write, read you something that I wrote. Back in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Even this is like before the pandemic? It's before <laughs> computers. It's on a typewriter. Wow. man. <laughs> if only you could see those people. The Amish laptop, as you once referred to okay, it. Exactly. So this one, which is also, um, I guess you could say it's the first in a long line of job-related poems. It's called You're the Customer. We treat you like a living God. You're never wrong. You're the customer. Would you like fries with that? I smile as if you were a king. You're always right. You're the customer. Anything to drink with that? I feign gladness for your benefit. You keep us in business. You're the customer. Will this be for here or to go? Yell and complain all you like. Let me get the manager. You're the customer. Your order will be ready at the end of the counter. I'll be a slave for the minimum wage, and you are my master. You are the customer. I'll get that table cleaned right away. Your mustache suits you well, madame, and you smell like a rotting whale. You're the customer. I'll clean that up. Kids spill drinks here all the time. You forgot what you ordered and then tell me I'm wrong. All my fault. You're the customer. You gave me a five, sir. There are no tens in the register. In my mind, I have killed you a hundred times. You're an ass. You're the customer. Are you sure you need that many napkins for one burger? Get the hell out and take your bastard kids with you. I hate you. You were the customer. I don't care if I am fired. I don't have to take this crap. <laughs> it only got go. better from there. <laughs> Woo! And that was 92? 92? Nineteen ninety-two. Wow. As a matter of fact, yeah, yeah I've got another one I that wasn't I wasn't even in writing
0: time. in '92. I was, uh, I was working overtime. You I think.
1: Married. Uh, yeah, I
0: was. Uh, I was married. Yeah, I was mowing the lawn at, in '92. <laughs> <laughs> mowing the lawn and, yeah, doing all that stuff. Well, th- this this poem was is old because it was ri- it was written thirteen months ago. Because the title is "14 months away from Medicare," so if you do the math,
1: I'm I'll now wait. one month away from Medicare. From wow. Medicare. Then they're going to give it to everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I waited all this time. Uh,
0: wait a minute! All these people that are in their 30s are getting getting my Medicare. So anyway, 14 months away from Medicare. Some of, th- some of these poems in the – uh, by the way, tonight I'm reading from poems in the key of A negative. So if you're, if you're looking to buy this book, uh, it'll be done in uh, uh, maybe a month, month and a half, something like that. Yeah. We'll see. No, yeah. It's in post-production right now. So, yeah. so the, the poem goes as follows. I had one of those beyond impossible burgers. It was just three pickle chips on a bun. You would swear they were actual pickles. Hey, the results are in for my extensive lab tests performed on my tears. After blowing all my dreams on cheap excitement and and commercial insanity, my doctor is recommending poetry. Either I'm feeling better already, or the side effects are an improvement over my natural state of being. Uh, Here's a poem dedicated to my mother. Uh, it was written the on the 22nd anniversary of her passing. Some people would call it death. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being polite. And say she passed. <laughs> what did she pass? She passed the test. <laughs> anyway, uh, it is called 12 2019 22 years ago today, my mother passed away. If we were dogs... She would be gone one hundred fifty-four years, and I would not miss her any less. Lady, oh, live! That woman could really cook, and not just dog food. Thank you. <laughs> and, and one more in the in the uh, the meta stream of Medicare. Uh, I, I spent a few minutes at my favorite hangout uh, today, Walgreens. <laughs> this is called healthcare. I hope, like hell, the pharmacist and his assistants aren't getting the impression that they are the ones keeping me alive. Flu shot? Don't flatter yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> flu shot. That was good. My doctor said, "Bill, d- do you want a flu shot?" No. Uh, well, how about a? Uh, uh, do you want a pneumonia? V- the m- pneumonia vaccine? I said, nah. ah, "No." Not really. Well, <laughs> it was they really are trying to keep he it. He goes, okay, Trump well, death, you so. seem to be doing okay without it, so. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: get paid a lot more money yeah, if you're in the hospital. He
0: says, I don't want to push you. <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> well, right. you don't. Much later on in my life, I worked in an electronics factory. I got to solder on pieces to the circuit boards where th- they fell off. So, um, you know, they'd all go through the w- what was called a wave machine, which had just, uh, you know, molten lead on the bottom of it, and it would pass over that. Oh, yeah. Did it, it have like a flux? Yeah. Bath flux? Yeah, the flux bath and everything. Then you so got dipped in uh, Freon, maybe? Was it a Freon bath oh afterwards? they, they had um, switched from Freon to something called Genosolve, but then they stopped using that, that after a while. That sounds just so bad, well, yeah, well, it was... like a science fiction movie waiting to happen. Um, it wasn't as bad as Freon, but it was still bad, or I don't know. It, it maybe it was still some sort of a pollutant, so then they moved away from that. But the the, the substitute for Genosol didn't smell too good either. <laughs> the substitute for Genosol was a baseball bat. <laughs> right. It's <laughs> physical abuse. So anyway, this is we called—
0: I used to work at a place that they had one of those. They called it the flow solder machine.
1: Yeah, yeah, they yeah, called it had the
0: bars, big bars of solder. They look like uh, something you'd see at Fort Knox,
1: Fort Knox for uh, welders
0: or mm-hmm. something.
1: Yeah, it was called the Wave Machine where I worked, so probably the same thing. But uh, the world of knowledge, fresh from the land of slow death, arrive pieces of the thinking machines that make obsolete your need to adequately spell, count beyond the number three, or make any decision beyond which channel to hold your interest for the next two minutes. Consign yourselves, you wretched fools, for your slot in this electric hell is open, and you are about to be plugged in. Dun, dun, dun. Prophetic. Dun,
0: dun, dun. <laughs> the Genesolve mysteries. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, one, one more question one more for question. you. One more equation.
1: Yes.
0: Whose hand is that in the solder machine?
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, you know they show those <laughs> on like uh, it's like the Sundance Channel or something on Thursday nights. They Columbo? have Colombo. Colombo, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they had one with Johnny Cash, um, and another one with Leonard Nimoy. Don't look at me,
0: you one-eyed bastard! <laughs> <laughs> Quit asking me these questions. That cigar is going out in your face. <laughs> yeah, I did shoot a man at Reno just to watch him die. And I'll do it again. <laughs> Where's June? It
1: doesn't have to be June Reno. June on
0: this show with me. She's my accomplice. I'm going to break my guitar over your neck. <laughs> You'll read another one, Patrick. Another uh,
1: yes, one. yes, I may read another one. Read this another was... One. Uh, Sometimes I just don't. It's just like everything else. Why would I write, my, why would I write um, three in advance when I don't even know which one I'm going to read? But this one's called Artificial Intelligence. What I need is a little distinction and perhaps a special tool to prove how much more mellowly wistful and important my thoughts are than yours. Luckily, I have it here in my hand, a beautiful cherry wood pipe with a distinctive acrid pungence that brings the aura of my classy persona to even the most visually impaired person standing 50 yards away. Without speaking a word, I can make my impression by simply stoking the fires of syrupy tobacco in this artfully cut bowl with a miniature cardboard torch, pausing a moment for a sidelong gaze into your flickering, jealous eyes that bemoan a cast standing truly far beneath my own. And then when I do talk, which I am guaranteed to do, because your opinion is so abysmally senseless, I'll be pointing my pipe straight at you, as if the fire inside this wonderful kettle could possibly illuminate the primate thoughts inside your head. And when I speak, you'll truly know the error of your ways as you meekly submit and shrink away. Perhaps I'll even play chess, as I cognizantly plot your checkmate between lip lip, puffs, and subtle glances to the ceiling, confidently kicking out the ashy embers in my bare palm in a one-man applause at the dexterous victory that my pipe has made inevitable. After that I can dye my beard gray, so I can be distinguished in facial fur as I make a one-eyed squint and think of taking up sailing or some other form of manly pipe adventure while I puff fervently in the maple-walled treehouse I'm having built because it's getting cold out here. And my weak-lunged mom won't let me smoke this thing inside.
0: I think that, that's the only the third time I've ever heard that. that that's
1: Yeah, I, I use it as a prop at one of those Mary McCann readings. Yeah, yeah. You, you, the first time you did it, it was like, wow, I, I smoke a pipe.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm okay with it because, yeah, it's, it's pretty much what pipe the smokers are. There. Oh yeah, the uh yeah, what what the heck is this? It's the uh, the annual uh Clute Invitational, the Bernard Schober Invitational. Bring a sh- bring a shark, get in for free. It's uh the Maricopa Grand Slam. It's a project of the Maricopa Arts Council, which is like uh three people in an empty tin can. Oh yeah. No, no, they're they're good people down there in Maricopa they're they're from what I understand they're starving for poetry there. They're <laughs> they're, they're so hungry for it that they, they they fly clued in three times a year yeah, to run an event.
1: Not anymore though. So yeah,
0: so this is obviously some kind of masquerade ball because it says masks are mandatory except when on camera. So anyway, distant seating. I'm sitting way over there. <laughs> I'm not even sitting by myself. <laughs> it's like move over, Bill. You're in bad company. Woot! woot. Uh, so anyway, it, it's uh, the poets are chosen open to, posen, open to poets, chosen by Slam Master the Clute. Uh And uh, so anyway, y- there's uh, two preliminary rounds and a, a big prize round for $150 to the winner, $100 to second place and 75 to third place. What, uh, no sandwich? No sandwich, and if you're in fourth place, you get nothing.
1: Yes, and it's being broadcast. It's not actually uh you can't go there unless you're reading. That's right. So so it, it'll be on uh Facebook Live or something. I don't know. He
0: doesn't say where it's going to be. What he, said. he said that online. Facebook yeah. Live. Okay, Facebook Live. Check it out. It's uh Saturday evening at 5:30 to 8:30. That's like uh, uh 3 hours. For uh, twelve poets with with cuts in each round, boy, it's the, long the show. time limits are, are just yeah uh, exactly twelve minute
1: time limit. Yeah, mm-hmm. you you
0: got okay. Don't go over twelve minutes because mm-hmm. we'll start deducting points. Uh, entry fee none, but donations would be appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I'll be competing in that as well as Patrick Hare, uh, our old friend Tristan Marshall and uh yeah, get
1: Tristan to be a gift,
0: and and like Tristan that. and uh a bunch of other people that I don't know somebody named uh oh God what was his name uh happy mouse or <laughs> some kind of really? some guy not happy Mouse, but some kind of mouse name Alright. yeah some kind of house name mouse something Ed mouse the <laughs> <laughs> uh, vegas d j yeah. So yeah i don't know there, there are slammers out there nowadays that I don't know who they are, and they don't know who I am either. That could be a good thing.
1: Yes, yeah. yes. And so when they hear someone yes. like me read a poem, it's like, ah, oh, that used to get points back in the day. Yeah. What?
0: Who? Who, who <laughs> let
1: Grandpa <laughs> yeah, in? Exactly. What's Grandpa doing up there?
0: Hey, Grandpa. <laughs> I'm Grandpa, and I'm coming after your grandmother. Oh, <laughs> to your seats. I'm coming after. I'm coming after Grandma. She ain't going to be the
1: same after I get through with her. Oh, that just turned us into a creepy podcast. Yes, well, a lot of creepy podcasts are out there, but they usually involve celebrating the murder of somebody, like it's a big deal. Like, oh, let's talk about somebody that got murdered. It's like, why don't, it's like, well, you know, that's kind of a sad thing.
0: Patrick, didn't you murder the lead singer from Fish?
1: (laughs) Didn't, Didn't I hear that? I read that somewhere today. Well, I did it in a dream, and assuming that every dream is an alternate universe somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, dreams are a part of life, man. They're,
0: they're, uh, so anyway, I'm going to read this poem here. I might use the the title. I'm, we're supposed to submit the titles to our three poems uh, for this big slam on Saturday night. So this uh, uh, th- this is this could be like one of the titles. It is called "Man Spreading Like a Used Cello Salesman on a Subway Ride to the Opera," or What goes up must come down. So if you're thinking about going to heaven, (laughs) that's just a title. Okay, now here's the poem. The open all night sign hangs above my head as if I represent the neon culmination of all the greasy utensils dedicated to feeding the tired souls or a comic strip character explaining to another comic strip character that I am not sleepy. Thirst was eating at me like a hunger. Sometimes I like to wake up just so I can rub the sleep back into my eyes and then I realize it's only a dream. And this uh, next piece is called Word Ostinato in the Key of Slang. Seasoned with spite and pressure cooked to imperfection, I have drained the ink from my red ballpoint pen while sketching my self-portrait from the inside out. I need a pen with white ink to draw my life story, blue ink to write my face. Sure, I could break walls with my pounding head, and all I could think of is don't you love it when life hurts? When mission statements include exclamatory profanity? When you smash your thumb while nailing down the details of everyday shtick? I need a pen with black ink. Thank you. Thank you. You're
1: welcome. Yes. <laughs>
0: What else should we talk about?
1: Oh, it's the holidays are coming up, man.
0: It is, man. I was, I was looking at turkeys in the store, and it's like, my God. Wait a minute. These aren't turkeys. These are my fellow shoppers. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think maybe, maybe I'll do a turkey this year. And it's like, no way, man. It's, it's just me. I can't, I can't eat 20 pounds of bird. I've got to be eating so this. So we
1: pre-ordered one from, uh, we do it from Bobby Q's So that barbecue restaurant is really good. Really
0: good. The, the one out there on uh, I-17 yeah. and uh, somewhere way out there on the west side. West side. So Throw story, up your hands.
1: True story. That The guy that owns that is the
0: guy that used to own Bobby you so Remember when Bobby McGee Right. Because when we got there, it was a uh work luncheon yep. and somebody said, man, I, I've been here before, but it, but it was something else.
1: It was Bobby McGee's.
0: Yeah, I asked my brother about that. He said, yeah, Bobby McGee's was it." Same owner, same Bobby. Their brisket is pretty damn good. It is. The, their their food was really good. They, uh, uh, yeah, their beans are pretty good too. I like, mm-hmm. uh, like the good, good like barbecue beans.
1: So, do you have no, a No, I don't. <laughs> do you have a tr-
0: uh No, actually, no. no? Not anymore. <laughs> did you ever? No. No. I used to, uh, what did I do? For myself, you mean? Yeah. Or yeah. No.
1: No. You and Marietta? Or
0: uh, well, normally we would just go out and get steaks on Christmas Eve. I
1: knew you did that yeah. you did that first.
0: And then the Christmas Day would just be me. Okay. And my dad when he was around in and, uh, and 18. Usually he was with his uh, his squeeze, his main squ- his right. main squeeze, yeah. yeah. And uh, God knows what they were doing. <laughs> you know I was a vet. They are adults. You know I was in World War Two. They were adults. Uh, you know the Andrews
1: sisters. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sit under the apple tree. Oh, that one, oh,
0: one Andrews sister. Woo! <laughs> what was her name? Her name was Gloverly. Her <laughs> name was Bandy. Her name was Bandy Cooch. I don't know what her name was.
1: Um, he's clearly feeling better.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was under the weather for a while. my My back, th- my back threw itself out again tying a shoe. It's like, man, mor- mornings are killing me, man. Brushing my teeth, my back goes out. Tying my shoe, my back goes out. It never goes out when I'm doing anything. Just, you know. Nice. Well, I have two poems to read. <laughs> that means <I'm laughs> my next stop is
1: Dentures and Loafers. Wow. <laughs> you got it all mapped out. Uh, yes. We need to get in a yacht. A yacht. A yacht. <laughs> yeah. Where are you going to put that? Okay. Now, this piece actually is has never been read outside of a classroom.
0: <coughs> did and you write this a- when you were a student?
1: Yes, as a matter of fact, I did, because uh, I, had this, I had this poetry teacher who made us buy her book, and then she had us, she was always, always talking about that we should all be activists, and we should be out there protesting, And you know, people in the '60s knew how to protest, and everyone in the '90s was just full of apathy. Well, they're learning it now. Yeah. (laughs) And so, if if you're not out there protesting, you're not really living your life. Wow. And so, and then she had the usual um, Mm -hmm. rubber stamp type philosophy of many college professors. And so, I wrote this piece sort of as revenge, and of course, (coughs) the whole class loved it. How does she feel about it? She seemed to like it, too. She didn't identify it as about her. (laughs) I want to be an academic pundit, so I, too, may fuse my nutty political leanings into the tangled web of higher education. I will fill those empty classroom minds with the kind of twisted ideologies that only work on a professor's daydreams. Most students can't separate politics from facts, so I'll do the thinking for them. Real world experience is meaningless in the universe's land of fantasy. I can gush a bunch of senseless junk and be subsidized by the state's taxpayers. Of course, my classes will be required. Indoctrination is the key. Who would dare take an elective in this fool's philosophy? With my lectern as a pulpit and the students as my church, I'll fleece the whole flock of their sensible thoughts and teach them the drivel of silly crackpots. My lectures will be legendary. With a madman's yell, I'll rant. Who cares about the subject when there's rhetoric to chant? And soon, you'll see me in a protest march, lending credibility to a bunch of nuts who only shout to hear their voices echo off the solid walls of the real world. I found out later that students were passing that around in other classes. That's how you know you've made in, an impact. Yes. Then yeah. it was funny because I, I, I told someone else about it, and and he said that back in his day, there was a guy at Stanford who always wore the Chairman Mao shirt. It's like, well, geez, I don't even get the the real comparison then. Because that was the because that was the prof- that that was their professor. <laughs> it's like, he taught straight communism, so we yeah. just got the watered down stuff. <laughs> right. What am I, a community
0: college? No, everything's online. Right.
1: And recorded. Takes the fun out of it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> All right, Bill, you want to pull a couple in and we'll wrap it up? Mm, yeah.
0: Yeah. Seeing how uh, uh, the country is just, is, uh, just divided. Polarized. Right now, I'm going to do. Uh <laughs> no, I'm not going to do political poems. Why would I do that? I'm not going to solve anything. SB 1070 BS. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Ass Bomb was a political poem, kind of. It was an answer to all the 9 uh, 11 poems. Yeah. It's yeah. like, well, mm, right. oh, you want a poem about destruction? Here you go. All right, I got you. you Here <laughs> Here comes the ass bomb.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the walk-in world is exploding. <laughs> and you tell me over
0: and over and over again, my friend. Yeah. This, uh, this, The last two poems I'm going to do is, one is called The 2 AM Mass. And uh, because I stay up like all night long on the weekends, you know, I I take the early shift and and I take a long nap in the evening and I stay up all night writing and, and, you know, whatever. So then the second one is called Jesus of America. I like that title. It's like, it's not the Jesus from from the entire world, it's just Jesus of America. We got our own Jesus here in this country. I tell you about that, you know. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's black Jesus people, th- you know, they, they say he was actually black, and here in in this country he's orange. You know, yeah, he's yeah, I'm sure he was dark Yeah, skinned, you know. yeah. yeah I'm sure, yeah, unle- unless unless you you know you you get one of those Catholic prayer books and see the the paintings in there. Well, then he looks like Obi Wan Kenobi. He just looks like he's some hippie. He's a hippie dippy. So anyway, the two AM Mass. My body is a temple for a religion that no is no longer practiced. For a religion that only practices excommunications. For a doctrine that offers mercy, knowing it is only sarcasm in disguise. That is one high holiday away from bankruptcy. My thoughts are dogmatic and always segue into murmurs. Jesus of America, messianic drifter walking on watered-down dreams, performing a constitutional right to bear the cross while preaching ballyhoo, hallelujah, side street vigilante hokum to wax fruit politicians. Thanks. Yeah, ballyhoo. I I waited 23 years to sneak ballyhoo into a poem. Been holding on to that word. <laughs> no, it. For, yeah, now it's like uh, I it, uh, have to
1: climb another mountain now. Throwing down the card. All right, Patrick, gotcha. you done? You got anything else? I do have one. Punch it. All right. In the spirit of slam poetry and the many people that you run across in slams, this one is called Touchdown. What the hell are you talking about? I hear words and tone, some energy and a definite rhythm, but what did you say? Are you trying to be clever? Because it's not working. Oh look, (laughs) wordplay. You've got images like bloody broken glasses outside the Rosemary's Baby apartment. So what? If people wanted images, they'd go see a slideshow. A picture's worth a thousand words, but an image is what you get when you leave the lens cap on. You know those albums by Meatloaf where you read the lyrics and each song is a three-paragraph essay? That's not you. Meatloaf didn't drown us all in four-syllable words. You have not yet reached the Meatloaf skill level, let alone the Paradise by the Dashboard-like karaoke skill level. You're saying something about fair trade coffee while you're still under the effects of weed someone carried 50 miles across a blazing desert in a backpack. Now he's a slave in an outdoor pallet factory, but at least the contents of the pack arrived intact for you. Did you say something political? You sure did. You repeated something totally unchallenging, like an intellectual version of a McDonald's Happy Meal. You set up your straw men and mixed in a few vague generalities, where you compare today's political figure with yesterday's European's public speaking champion, who only wanted to help working people. That kind of sounds like you. And my God, you're boring. Blank stares aren't appreciation, you know. Why don't you try saying something controversial? You may be trying to shout something provocative to the amen corner, but so what? If nobody disagrees with you, then you're just a poser. Say something that makes people uncomfortable and gets their reptile cerebral neurons firing firing, and you might have something, but God forbid we'd have to think for a few minutes while we're sipping our overpriced coffee and trying to tune you out. Yeah, I remember those days. Yeah, Yeah, you know, I read that, and then Tristan Marshall told me what I already knew, but of course he said, well, Meatloaf didn't write the songs. Jim Steinman wrote the songs. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, nobody else knows that except you. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this. So, uh... Hang on, so, on, to so, get to the appropriate point in the script.
0: So tha- yeah, <laughs> so... The the script is non-existent (laughs) script here. Thank you once again for listening to this edition of the Brick Cave Podcast, featuring Bill and Patrick. Anytime you'd like to hear from us, join us online at brickcavepodcast.com. Our BC Book Club supporters can enjoy extra episodes and other great advantages. Details at bcbookclub.com. Thank you again, everyone, for listening, and we'll drop in again real soon.
1: And that's part of our world tonight. Courage. Good
0: night, Chet. <laughs> Good night, <everybody. laughs> Good night, David. Good night, Chet.